it would be another boring nil-nil. But um, that's what happens when you have no direction and no plan A, B or C at United. Whereas Liverpool, the great thing about this club, is that you're so high up in the diagram. I mean, you've barely lost in front of a crowd for five years. That's the incredible thing. You've just got to embrace it and enjoy it because it'll not be like this forever. Um, but it's like that now. And, you know, if you, if you can't embrace it and enjoy it, then, uh, you know, football's not really, really the thing for you. You know, if you're a Liverpool supporter and you, and you can't find joy out of this, then uh, God, help, God help you. Indeed. Well, Stephen Scrag, since we last spoke on February the 17th, uh, two things have happened. Uh, you brought out another book, which we're here to talk about. The Undisputed Champions of Europe. Uh, out on Pitch Publishing. Uh, congratulations. It says uh, January 2022 here, but I've clicked through. came out two weeks ago. Have people read it? How has it been received? There's a few people who've come back to me and said they've read it. They've managed to get through it all. And yes, you know, a big thumbs up from them. But yeah, you, you, you wait for that uh, that tidal wave that tends to kick in, I don't know, maybe after Christmas, because all my books have been out September, October time. And, and it tends to be, I don't know, maybe from about January after people have, have received it as Christmas presents that uh, the, the true kind of feedback starts to kick in. But for those who've read it and, you know, so far and, and they, they've, they've enjoyed it, uh, I've had some kind kind comments saying from one saying that it, out of three, it's the one they enjoy the most. And yes, lots of lots of books on, on uh, lots of pictures on Twitter of the, of the three books together, which is quite reassuring. Wow, the set, have, have, brilliant. Um, yeah, so so yeah, the, the full set, and yeah, which is which is just like it, it's great, it's surreal, and and great at the same time. Because it's as well as respecting the tournaments, which are as we discussed in February, where the cool kids hang out and a tournament frozen in time, respectively, uh, Cupman's Cup, UEFA Cup, and now it's European Cup. How the Gods of Football Became European Royalty. This show will go out in match week five of this season's UEFA Champions League on November 22nd. It is the night that Liverpool are at home to Porto. I shall be there. Wonderful. I will be there for that one, yes. Uh, because you couldn't so, uh, watch much European football in the last 18 months because you couldn't uh, in the ground. Where is your season ticket or where is your ticket in the ground? The main stand, so the, the big new main stand that was built or completed about three years ago now, and, it, and it's a great spot. You know, you, you're slightly detached from 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 proceedings as such, but you're at such a towards the, the bottom half of the upper. So uh, it, it's kind of like being perched on the roof of the old main stand in a way. But within that, you know, I used to have a, a season ticket over the opposite side, what was now the Kenny Dalglish, so you know, so Kenny Dalglish stand, uh, what what we will always still refer to as the Kenwood. And I used to be in the upper of that, and, and that elevated position, you, nothing, nothing escapes you. Kind of like, you know, if you watch a game at a low level, you know, down in the first five or six rows of a, of a ground, you feel you feel the match, but you don't see the match quite as well as you can do. But when you're up high, you know, it's like watching a chessboard and seeing all the moves. You know, it, it, that that panorama and that. It's the shapes, it's the patterns, it's the formations, it's the way. I always say there's a geometry to football, and it's only since I've watched games at a high trajectory that I've been able to spot it. And you know, formations and when people go on about four three threes or you know four one two one twos and all sorts of stuff, they're all just kind of like adaptations of 
uh, you know, set, set kind of like traditional formations, the slight tweaks of them. But even then, they're, they're only there to kind of like for, for teams to fall back into. You know, they, they never hold these these formations and positions. Football's much more fluid than that. It's all to do with the shapes that surround the ball, and, you, and you'll see a triangle of players appear around the ball. You know, you'll see a square, and it'll, it'll, it'll morph into a square, to a to a hexagon, to to a rhombus. You know, it, it, that's the way. It, it, the formations are just kind of for the textbook, really, and to fall back into when you've lost possession of the ball, or you know, you're kicking off having conceded nominal positions. Yes, the back line tends to to hold itself, but it'll step up, you know, and all that type of stuff. But you know, football's much more fluid than simple numbers. Num- you know, the numbers of formations. I wonder if so. Watford under Ranieri, we play four at the back, four in the midfield, two up front. So we're essentially playing what rhombus, trapezium. <laughs> Triangle. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I think that would make I, more I, I sense. Think, yeah. Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp now, we know how they play. They've got the full-backs bombing, and amazingly, it's still Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. It's going to be interesting to see who fills their places when they really... Not that they are going to, but if they are injured for a long, long time. Uh, Milner and Simikas, and then the middle two is any of four or five players uh, the, the, at the back. The middle three... Uh, so two thirds of Liverpool's midfield were injured against Man United. Yeah, that and that was the big thing for me is that no matter what kind of fate threw at us there, you know the, the midfield kind of you know it shape shifted over and over again. The fact that you no know, Fabinho wasn't there to start with, which was a concern for most people. I I didn't even look at the team sheet until about sixty seconds before kickoff. Um, so you know I didn't have that pre-match. Uh, anxiety whatsoever. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, the game's kicking off, right? He's not there, but you know, folks can concentrate on the game. Um, so yeah, you know, the fact that he, uh, that Milner's been brilliant so far this season. He, he is just the consummate professional. You know, he, he's, he's he's a proper Peter Pan. Uh, you know, I, never, never, never in my life as my football club had a better free transfer. You know, yeah. he's he's just you know a, a, an absolutely incredible professional. And, you know, he's just got it physically and mentally and, you know, his work ethic and, and his you know, unselfishness, his commitment to the cause, you know, is the fact that he can, he can, he can do the physical thing, the things as well. You know, he can, he can, you know, he can make the stern challenges. He can, he can put the straighteners in. He can, you know, play the ball as well. You know, he, he is a, a wonderful, wonderful footballer. Uh, but they had to lose him half midway through the first half. And then we bring on Curtis Jones, who's an entirely different entity to James Milner. You know, a, a wonderful, almost whimsical footballer. Uh, you know, is Curtis Jones. He sees the angles uh, that others don't necessarily see. Uh, you know, he'll pull off the the incredulous. Uh, you know, he, he's just got this kind of you know aura about him that's completely different. And that's the thing about Liverpool's midfield is it's just so adaptable, and every midfield is slightly different. Uh, we don't have, we don't seem to have a set midfield as such. You know, normally most teams have a, a midfield that kind of the ethos is set in stone, and then whoever comes in fills that specific role. Uh, this, this Liverpool midfield doesn't work like that because they can throw in Fabinho, who acts as the deep line midfielder. There's Kieta who can play in a variety of different midfield positions. But Thiago's fit to play. He's just like you know, he, he, he sees through the matrix. Jordan Henderson can just be absolutely anything. He, he can play in the wide positions. He can play the deep lying midfield role, but he can push up as that as that pressing midfield. I mean, that ball he played for Salah for the fifth goal on on Sunday uh, at Old Trafford sounded was, good. I was, was listening. Just, it sounded it, it sublime. Was, 
it was a sublime pass. It was just a beautiful, beautiful pass that you know, perfectly weighted. Uh, you know, he, he, and again, another another footballer that you know he, he's he's overcome a hell of a lot to to get where he is and to be Liverpool's you know, Champions League and Premier League winning captain. And you know, I I, I not in a, in a kind of told you so type of way, but there's a lot of lot of people who never really got him, and still. You know, we'll 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 murmur about him from time to time. It's less so now, but but even up to a couple of years ago, people were still kind of like getting on his back here and there. But that you were either for him or you were you know not against him, but you just didn't get him. Uh, but you know, I, I I saw something from the start and and, and knew that you know if, if if he if he was played correctly, then then we had a, a hell of a player on our hands for a long time to come. You've also lost uh, Vinaldum uh, to Paris to Qatar. Yes, Vinaldum. Yeah, and he, he was, uh, you know, again another another excellent player that uh, offered something different. Um, you know that that way he could just ghost in. You know he could he could he could. I mean he, he never seemed to play in the position he plays for the Netherlands. You know the Netherlands play him as this this attacking midfielder almost, and uh, you know he, he he rarely got that role for Liverpool. But every every position he was asked to play, every every version of midfield he was asked to play, he always carried it off brilliantly. Remind me a bit of like a Nigel Spatman esque type of character because he was another one that was like that different era, you know, a slower game, slow slower version of football. That eighty seven eighty eight side could transcend many many you know eras. You know, he was another that could just do whatever he was at, was asked of him. Uh, and when Alden was that, you know, and, and to lose him has been a blow, but. You know this this Liverpool because I say they they don't rely on necessarily one type of midfielder. You know the, the, they can just alter the the demographic of the midfield, and it's uh, it's an amazing thing that I've never seen Liverpool do apart from 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 this 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 era of club. I am writing a book on the FA Youth Cup, inspired by the These Football Times team, all of whom have now written books, including Paul McParlin, um, and. TFT, you do the stag do of the book, and I listen to the stag do for this book, which is called The Undisputed Champions of Europe, colon, How the Gods of Football Became European Royalty. TFT, Mazeltov, you keep going and getting better and better. You've got this The Big Final series on at the moment. Have you had your go? Uh, I'm, I'm taking part in them as, as, as one of the uh, one of one of the Waldorf and Statler roles. Um, mm-hmm. Stu's been the you know, uh, fronting them for us, and me and Gary kind of like sit there and, and sagely nod our head, uh, and, and then yeah, we, we get the guest in. So uh, I think one of the most recent ones was Jeff Goulding with uh, the '74 FA Cup final, which was a game that was played out what just just under three weeks before I was born. So you know, I've always had an affinity for that game. Remember buying it on VHS and the old BBC VHS FA Cup final videos. Wow, uh, David oh. Coleman's David David Coleman's commentary, and I always remember like the, the front of them. They had kind of like you know they, they'd have a picture ripped across, and it was, I think it was Keegan on it on the front of it. But then kind of like the outline of the pitch and the BBC sign and stuff like that. And it always had to be the the, the BBC commentator though. That was the thing. It, you know, it was David Coleman in '74 with the iconic uh, goals pay the rent and Keegan does his shirt uh, line, which is is way up there with, with some of the best commentary lines ever. He's the best. But this book on the FA Youth Cup, I have perchance to read Jamie Carragher's book, Cara, and he has a whole chapter on youth development. And bear in mind, this was written in the, it must have been the Rafa era, 2008, I think. He was coruscating. This is the time when the youth and the first team 
were training apart. And when the likes of Letalek Cinema Bongol, um, a lot of the Spanish youngsters were being signed up as teenagers. And there was a big discrepancy between what Uli, first Julia and then Benitez wanted and what Steve Highway was doing. So is Alex Inglethorpe at the moment as the director of the Academy doing what Steve Highway did but with even more chance of a pathway to the first team for all these youngsters, two of whom started, uh, well, two of whom appeared in this game against Man U just this weekend? Uh, the, 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 the theories there, you know, it's just whether the practicalities can, can come flooding through or not. I mean, the, with um, the move from Melwood to, to Kirby and, the, and the, big, the big complex there, which was always set aside as the academy where the kids went. So, yes, there was that. You know, line in the sand drawn. The first team players went to Melwood, and and the, the youth players, and that all went to, to Kirby. But now everything is located at the Kirby site now, which gives you that greater opportunity for, for senior players to cross paths with the younger players, or you know the theories there at the very least. And hopefully it does happen because yes, that that was the way it was. You know, Jamie Carragher didn't come up in the in the academy system. He came up in the the, the later. I think probably the last, the last hurrah for the old system, really, that would go and train at Melwood and, and have that opportunity. Because that was it. I mean, when you, when you stretch back to kind of like previous eras where, you know, the kids would clean the boots of the senior players and stuff like that. And it was a way of kind of like crossing the streams and, you know, any any player of, of repute that's coming up through the youth ranks would, would be able to get that influence and, and you know, the input of, of senior players. Uh, some CD players, at least, you know, some some weren't for it and would just kind of like you know brush brush the, the, the young players aside and you know not not take them on, but others would, and you know they they impart wisdom and, and give them advice and, and all sorts of stuff, and you know I, I think that's integral to kind of like the upbringing of a of a, of a football club. Yeah, really. yeah, and um, as I was um, thinking about that, the, the last Youth Cup, Villa with their wonderful academy. Um, beat Liverpool's under-18s in the Youth Cup final. Uh, Liverpool won a few years ago. Um, Glatzel is the guy who I think scored a winning penalty a few years ago. Glatzel is now at Barnsley this season. Um, is there a pathway for the likes of him and that under-18 team? I'll try and get the names up as you're speaking, but is there a pathway, do you reckon, under a Jurgen Klopp team who will be in three or four competitions a year? Any player to make it through that, that system has to be exceptional. You know, uh, because the, uh, because of this system, where they will identify players of young talent from elsewhere and and, and uh, drop them into the system, uh, it does mean that anyone coming through at a local level, you know, has to be truly exceptional to to prosper at Anfield. Uh, hence, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold is, is quite the exceptional footballer. You know, Curtis Jones has all the hallmarks and potential to be a quite exceptional footballer. Um, you know, if if you are uh, you know, a, a steady, if in unspectacular uh, player. If you're, you know, good but not great, then you know, the the, the they're probably not going to make it. But the ed- even then, the education that they can receive at Liverpool is is phenomenal. Uh, you know, that that discrepancy between talented young players not making it a big club and, and still ma- making it elsewhere. You know, I, I still think that needs addressing. You know, I, I've watched kind of like youth youth sides and. And seen very talented young players, and thought you know they've got a hell of a career in front of them, only to fall by the wayside because of that initial disappointment in leaving a big club and, and not being able to, to to make it elsewhere. You know there, there are a lot that fall that, that slip through the nest. There's a lot. 
Well, I'm, I'm just looking at the 1819 squad. There's a chap who's on loan at Blackburn. Do you know who he is? Uh, I can't think of his name, no. but yes, I was watching some of his uh, some of his uh, footage the other day. Leighton, Harvey Elliott. Yeah, Leighton Clarkson yeah. has followed Harvey Elliott That's to Blackburn. Uh, we'll get to Harvey shortly. Jake Kane is on loan at Newport County, who have just lost their manager. And there's a kid called Elijah Dixon Bonner, who seems to be in the 23s this season. Yes. Harvey Elliott, such a, such a shame. Uh, it is, but young enough to, to brush it off and come back. You know, stronger and, and, and ready to go again. You know, he seems quite a positive uh, personality. You know, he's you know, I th- I occasionally see his social media you know, output, and you know, he's he's quite quite blessed in a way to kind of like see his career as has come to where it is so far. So you know, all the noises seem to be that you know, yes, it's this is a you know a, a devastating injury to, to pick up. You know, it's uh, an opportune moment for it to come. Uh, you know, he was playing a lot of football early in the season, the early weeks of the season. But, you know, he'll, he'll come back stronger and positive. Back stronger indeed. Uh, LaRussi has, um, he was drafted in from French football, perhaps because of Brexit, he has joined Trois. Uh, and the other couple from that under-19 winning team are the Williamses, the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, who played at the back. Um, Neko and Reese, what? How this injury crisis at Liverpool last season that meant that they were down to kind of seventh choice centre backs could only be marvellous for Reese Williams, who has uh, quite sensibly gone on loan to Swansea this season. Great hair, great style. It doesn't hurt a young player if they come into a team where the first choice and the second choices are injured, and Reese Williams can only have gained from the experience playing next to Trent Alexander-Arnold and having Alisson position him at a free kick and stuff. But will we see the Williamses as squad players post-Milner, let's call it that era, when Milner decides to retire in like 10 years? Difficult for Reese Williams to break through that forest of players. You know, uh, Virgil van Dijk sat there, Joel Matter, uh, Joe Gomez, Ibrahim McConaughey who played at Old Trafford. On, on Sunday, put in a you know he's been spent reasonably big money on him in the summer, and he's he's been restricted so far to two league games, which is something similar to what happened with Fabinho when he first arrived. You know, he, he and Keita given given and Keita, you know, given time to kind of I don't know assimilate the the new surroundings and and the way things are done on the training pitch before being given kind of like a regular regular place in the side. You know, that's a, a you know a hell of a lineup for Reese Williams to. To, 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 to fight his way through I think a couple of seasons out on loan doesn't no doesn't no harm I think ideally if you find him a Premier League club you know but then again it's it's a fine line you know where's the positives in, in playing for a team that's hopefully chasing for promotion in the championship or a team that's going to struggle in the Premier League would, would it do him good being at a Norwich where they've only picked up what, one, one point or whatever it is in the first nine or something but within that you know the Premier League's where he, he will be projectively playing in a Liverpool shirt, but you know, it's hard for him to make it at Liverpool. And, and you look at Nat Phillips, who did so well last season and became such a cult hero. You know, he, he's, he's essentially fifth choice centre back now at Liverpool. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad he stayed because, you know, you never know if that injury, you know, it's difficult for it to happen twice in a row. You know, it's hard to think it would happen two seasons in a row. It's a once in a, you know, maybe a decade or even a generational thing. I can remember. You know, very early, you know, eighty, eighty-one, and stuff like that. We had all sorts of central defensive injuries. Colin Irwin ended up playing, played a significant amount of time. He was the Nat Phillips of his era. 
Nick Tanner early 1990s. So maybe like once every 20 years, you tend to have a season like that where you you know you you thrust in kind of like fourth, fifth, and sixth yeah. choice centre backs into your side. So, but he's he's a talented lad. He's a good player. Both him and Nat Phillips will have uh, you know no no shortage of suitors. Hey, you mentioned Nick Tanner. He's got a book out of it. Published a book just this year. I don't know if you've read it. Yes, I've not read it. I've, I've spotted it. You know, it's on the, the to do list, but I've not I've not got round to that one yet. The, the players that kind of you know they 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 almost become I don't know coveted by association. You know, so any player because we we made like a huge amount of transfer funds off the likes of Jordan Ibe and, and um, Brad Jones. Uh, so Wilson, uh, a, a lot of, yeah, yeah Harry, you know, a lot of kind of like shadow players that that were unlikely to make it uh, in the first team twenty, lasting amount of time, uh, but but made huge money off it because you know you look at a team that is doing well, then other clubs are going to look at the players that are on the periphery and think, I, I, I want a bit of that, you know, I, I want to, you know, and and that's what they do. That's how it works. You know, if the teams. You know, struggling the way that Manchester United are, and that's been Liverpool in the past, and it'll be Liverpool again in the future. You know that that will swap again at some point. Uh, you know, no one wants to. You know, they, they want players. If they want players off you, they want. You know, and, and that's where we are at the minute. You know, if 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 Nat Phillips goes at some point, then you know we'll we'll make a good few million off him. You know, Reese Williams will as well. It is a hard path for them to succeed at Liverpool in in the long term, but they've served us very very well, and. and Reese Williams being out there on loan, it can only do him good. Uh, the more he plays football, higher up yeah. the, that league ladder. Well, I'm very interested in talking to Alex Inglethorpe, who was at Watford once upon a long time ago. I don't know if you ever saw him play football, but he seems to be masterminding uh, not just young footballers, but young men. Rian Brewster is at Swansea still, isn't he? So Phillips and Brewster will know each other. And I, I just wish Liverpool well in this Youth Cup run. Uh, the book is called From Kids to champions and it will rub shoulders with the super trilogy of old European competitions from Stephen Scragg, the undisputed champions of Europe, how the gods of football became European royalty. Now let's play a game. Uh, in the, it's not Squid Game, uh, which I haven't seen. Complete the sequence, Stephen. Crusaders, Trabzonspor, St Etienne, Zurich. Russia, Mönchengladbach. Complete the next sequence. Dynamo Dresden, Benfica, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Club Bruges. Why only three teams, not four? We are latted a bye in the first round. I can't quite remember why the team, yeah, the why there was a missing space. Yeah, we were the holders, but uh, the holders weren't always, you know, passed through to the to the to the first beyond oh. the first round. Um, that, that that just yeah, it was an occasional thing here and there if if the numbers didn't tally. How many players started both finals, 77 and 78? How many started both of them? See, uh, Clements, yep. Neil, yep. Hughes, yep. McDermott, yep. Ray Kennedy and Jimmy Case. And who started in 77 and came off the bench in 78? Steve Harvey. I hope people are applauding in their... At least applauding in their head, because that is, that's brilliant knowledge, mainly because you were a child, you were in nappies, you will have no memory of the back-to-back European Cup finals in 77-78. Was it, was it good to write about those? It was, I mean, I grew up on those, those victories, you know, I, I do have the vaguest of recollections of 78, um, you know, my dad pushed out the boat and celebrated bye-bye and the kids' um, four-finger kick-cat rather than two-finger kick-cat. 
uh, you know, which was big, big news in our house at the time. <laughs> uh, I, I do remember kind of like the celebrations of, of those successes. Uh, you know, football was always there in our house. You know, I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't in, in a football kit or another. Uh, and having an older brother kind of like pelt the ball at me in the back garden uh, and, and stuff like that. So, yes, you know, it was a joy. I, I grew up on those teams. That that, that Liverpool team of, of kind of, you know, well, that was it, you see, when I said mentioned Sunas as part of that, I just I just clicked into kind of like starting to name off the, rattle off the 78, 79, slash 79, 80 side. And, and, and that's it. When people talk about having a Doctor Who and who your Doctor Who is or... Know who your presenters on top of the pops are, or who's doing the radio on breakfast show, or whatever it is. You know, people will have the the kind of like set person. You know, and 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 it's the same for me and, and my football team is that you know I, I will have a certain a certain team that I can rattle off and say this was the team that was the Liverpool team when I came to consciousness, and you know this this was part of that side soon as was part of that side so you know I, I grew up on that and so many of those players played in 77 and 78 so you know they're just there as part of my entire aura really mm, they get, they hit superheroes because they won games and they I've just read Brian Barwick's book which has just come out 60 years a Liverpool fan and counting and I almost got bored with it because they were so good between 76 and like 88 89 Year on year, second, second, first, second, first, first, second, first, or whatever it is. You can probably rattle them off. But it was a bastion of invincibility to completely invent a phrase that has never been said before. Really, what Jürgen is doing now is repeating it. It's as if he studied the boot room and is putting it into effect with his heavy metal football. It is magnificent for Liverpool, apart from what happened with the Super League, which is the other thing that happened that I'm trying not to mention. (laughs) It's just wonderful. It's the best time in years to support this team. And uh, it means so much if you've been following them since the days of 80 and 84. And it's brilliant. Well, yeah, it is. You know, he's just brought the club back to life You know, in that respect. He's made them feel like Liverpool again. And that's not just a case of winning trophies and being you know, significant at the, at the sharp end of the sport. That's, that's about kind of, I don't know, just that. You know his personality, his, his, his strength of personality, and his will, and his desire, and, and his vision of football, and you know, just how he is socially. And he's often asked at press conferences about uh, you know his thoughts on kind of you know news items and Roger stuff Hunt. like that. And uh, you know, yeah. and, and he's just like, yeah, you know, it's just his his general kind of like socialism. And I don't mean that in a part of political socialism. I just mean that collectivism. In, you know, yeah, kind of like caring about the collective. You know, he genuinely seems to care. You know, and, and that's kind of like a very Liverpool thing. You know, it's that you know looking after the person next year and, and, and picking up the per- you know wonderful footage again showed the other day of, of him kind of like celebrating after the Champions League win against Spurs in, in in Madrid. And you know, one of the first things he did was he, he was picking Tottenham players up off the floor and you know saying, "Come on." You know, this was us this time last year, and, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, you know, I think it's it's just him as, as a person, and and I'm a great believer sometimes in, in how I don't know supporter bases often morph into kind of like the personality of the manager. There was a, a great deal of arrogance about Manchester United fans, for instance, and almost aggression, you know, bubbling under the surface during the, the Alex Ferguson years, for instance. Uh, you know, we, we all become the leader of our football club almost. You know, and for Liverpool fans, you know, we all, we've all become Jurgen Klopp in a way. Mm. And who's the leader of Manchester United? 
the balance sheet. It looks like Richard Arnold will become executive vice chairman and he's always saying, wow, look at all the social media impressions. Social media impressions won't fix your press. Um, Jonathan Wilson, particularly savage in The Guardian this morning. We're talking on the 26th of October, two days afterwards. Has the hangover gone? Uh, the, the afterglow is still there. Yeah, um, I can see. But, but, yeah, <laughs> but, now, but yeah, but now Preston is the closest game, isn't it? No, Preston North End are closer than... Uh, than Old Trafford now, so I mean that, that's the way it works for me. You know, you, you tend to you linger on the previous game until the next one is closer. You know, and so yeah, you know, my, my mind's ticking in, in how many players can be you know, juggled around. The undisputed champions of Europe, how the gods of football became European royalty. Great title, Stephen Scrag. It completes the trilogy which we talked about in February. Go and listen to uh, our chat about when the cool kids hang out and uh, Tournament Frozen in Time. This show goes out on Match Week 5, in the middle of Match Week 5, or the beginning of Match Week 5, of the UEFA Champions League, the tournament that Liverpool don't want to be in anymore. Don't mention the war. I think I mentioned it, Stephen Scrag, but I think I got away with it. Oh, it's yeah, why not mention it? You know, uh, there's, there's a... I was afraid that there's a, a very defined difference between what supporters want and, and I think even in this case, what the players wanted. The, 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 way, yeah, the, way, that, the way that John Henderson... Responded, you know, in front of in front of cameras, you know, the way Jurgen Klopp was that Monday night at Ellen Road when when it you know it had all kind of kicked off, and, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and all of that, you know, it, it you know it wasn't in their name and it wasn't in our name. I'd, I'd say it was a terrible idea because it's it, looking at the system what they were they were they were planning. Wouldn't surprise me if UEFA implement it at some point in the next decade, anyway. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. And, uh, that was certainly what the takeaway I, 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 was. I yeah, that that was the thing. I, I don't think what we were proposing it in a form of you know, the, the structure of the league and, and how it would play out was all that unattractive. But yeah, financially detaching yourselves from you know the the rest of the the rest of football, you know, you can't do that. Not in football. Like I say, for supporters, the vast majority of supporters, it's you know it's a case of not in our night. You know, Barcelona fans will be thinking, we want our cold Tuesday nights in Ibar and Granada. Uh, this match week. Sheriff against Real Madrid, Chelsea against Juventus, the Sari derby, although Sari's not at either club anymore, and Barcelona versus Benfica. Um, one, two, three, four of those sides have won the European Cup, uh, and one of them has won the Champions League with the Rubles. It's almost stupid to draw a comparison between Chelsea and Juventus, and as you said um, in the These Football Times podcast discussing this book, the European Cup and the Champions League are different kinds of good. Is there any comparison between what Sheriff did at um, Real Madrid a few weeks ago and anything that happened in the European Cup? It's probably as close as you can get. Um, you know, the, that, that's the thing. The, 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 modern, the modern take on football is to, to eliminate the, the weakest. Uh, so, so for one of the, the perceived weakest... And, and there is a... You know, a a somewhat shadowy backstory to Sheriff. Let's, yes, not, yes. Uh, there's a great YouTube them, um, then, Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah. To paint them completely as this this plucky, you know, likable underdog. Um, but still, you know, what what they did was what they did. They've, they've, they've gone out there and, and upset the football and apple cart, which can only be a good thing, you know, to for, for it to kind of like recalibrate itself and say, look, you know, it isn't just about this this fifteen or sixteen. You know, clubs that are very privileged and, and, and have a great deal of respect for themselves. A huge ego, basically. You know, there, you know football is a, a complex beast. 
you know, there's lots, lots of different personalities of clubs and the people who run these clubs, whether that's what they do on the pitch or in the boardroom, what goes on behind the scenes, you know, it's it's the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, the football and the old currency kind of different didn't really put up borders between. It, it was a case of, you know, this this is what we are, this is what you've got to do to win and these are the teams that uh, are involved. You know, it, it, simple, you know, there, there was no seeded draw, you know, there was no loading of the of the balls. It was simply put the names out of a hat, and you two will play each other on you know, on, on these dates. Uh, winner goes through, you know, loser goes out, and, and, and come back next season if you can qualify. You know that that was that. You know, it was a very simple system. So yeah, you know, the, it's always nice to see some kind of. It's like when Dundalk played. I think it was was Milan in the, the Europa League or something the other season. You know that that's lovely to see. It's it's a great great blast. You know, from the past of, of what it used to be like, uh, you know the, the fact that anything was was possible. You know, the, I, I think the likes of Lionel Messi really, you know, would have would have been enhanced by having to take agricultural trips to Glentoran or something like that. You know, I think I think being able to there was that wonderful concept of you know any player in the world. It was like you know Albaldo Fial for for Atletico Madrid tipping up a Faro banger. In the Cup Winners' Cup, you know, it, you know, you, the types of things that cannot happen now, you know, mm-hmm. and any kind of hint of something happening now that relates to when anything could happen, you know, it, it, it's hard not to embrace it. In the absence of an English representative, who were the Scottish entrants of the first European Cup? It was Hibs. Brilliant. Which was the? Is this the Pat Stanton team, the really great Hibs team? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know they didn't they didn't win the Scottish title the previous season, but those first five European Cups, uh, the the keepers of Let Keep, um, you know, all were, were basically the job of organising it. And you know some of the the invites went out to kind of like teams of greater repute. You know they were in the mid nineteen fifties. Hibs were the biggest deal in, in Scottish football. Um, you know, Aberdeen were the reigning champions. They didn't take part in it. Advise not to. Hib said we will, you know, and, and, and fair play to them. And that was what Matt Busby kind of mimicked that the following season. And, and you know, he used that as the template to say that Manchester United would play in the second plane of the European Cup, and, and they would not take heed of of uh, the Football League and, and, and the FA and saying that we we advise you not to take part. You know, so yeah, you know, the, the, these were pioneers in that respect. Correct. Yeah. And who were the French representatives who came second to Real Madrid, lost in the final? Stade de Riem. Riem, uh, yeah, because yeah, PSG didn't exist. Yeah. There was no Paris Saint-Germain no. at the time. There was, no, there was no PSG at this point in time. PSG, you know, uh, it, it's a great line that I will often trot out, are uh, younger than my older brother by a couple of years. And this, this was a fine stylistic side as well. Just just played some of the, the most wondrous football. Raymond Coker was part of that side. Oh, who, yeah. uh, so impressed Real Madrid that they signed him because he played for, for Stade Dream uh, in that first European Cup final against Real Madrid and then played for Real Madrid against Stade de Rheim before returning to... France to play for that amazing kind of um, relationship between the two clubs. It's uh, yeah, it, one of those sliding doors moments. You know, it was a game that uh, the French side led, I think, two 0 and three uh, two. You know, Real came back and, and came on strong late in the game to, to snatch it. You know, when they uh, snatched that goal to go four three, it was the first time they led led, led the final. Um, and, and those early finals, just just how different the landscape would have been had, had the you know the cards fallen slightly differently. 
Was there any footage of that 56 final? Or did you all get it from match reports, some in French, some in English? There is. I've, I've got a DVD where it's, it kind of like has the goals of all the first, um, I think it's the first 50, all the first 40 uh, European Cup finals as well. I think it goes all the way up to to Istanbul, I think. First 50 finals, I think it is. So I, 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 get the, I, get, I got the footage of that. Um, so yeah, there's footage of goals, but there's no full final online as such. You know, you can find the finals, a lot of these finals online. Um, but the the first one I could find in full was 1960. So you know, I, I like to you know certain finals that I felt that I needed to watch in full uh, because they they had such a burden to the book. I mean, every final was important, but some were just um, you know like 1969 and uh, the Milan versus Ajax final. You know, compelling viewer, and that had to be watched because you know it, it essentially a chapter that had a, a, a final had a chapter to itself because it, it does represent this this tilting of, of tectonic plates almost you know, yes. from from the old world to the new world in a similar way to the 1970 World Cup does. If if you if you want to sit there and watch a you know take the time to watch a, a game from many many moons ago online, then that that's one to watch because Pirano Pirino Prati his performance in that is just phenomenal. There's a Cruyff turn in there, you know. There's there's all sorts, you know, socks rolled around the ankles, and you know he's imperious in that match. And you could tackle um, in them days. And you could tackle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's also in colour. I find I found it online in colour, and it, it's great because you can see kind of like the crowd and everything, and just how I don't know, just how almost the colours of the burnabout as well. So you know, it, it, it just has everything. It's just a moment of its time, and it's uh, it, it's a wonderful social piece of footage as well as a football match. I tell you what I'll do. I'll watch that instead of watching Liverpool demolish Porto and Real Madrid come to a, come from behind against Sheriff. And... I, I, I can't blame you doing that. I mean, I, I, I'd do exactly the same if it wasn't my team. I, I tend to... It's very little Champions League football I watch, certainly in the group stages of, of anyone else's teams, because it, it just doesn't have that thin ice element to it. No, that you know, it's not a case of two two of them walking the tightrope and one's going to fall off. You know, it's not got that. Um, there's been some good games. There's been some interesting stuff, but yeah, I, I find it hard to watch. You know, anyone anyone else in the Champions League at the group stages? I find it hard uh, to believe even, in a tournament. Even, even, the, even in the knockout stages, yeah. I mean, you've just got, for me, it's just a case of trying to channel the inner child. I, I can't I can't turn around and say I've not had great times watching Liverpool in the Champions League. I went to Istanbul, went to Athens, Kiev, Madrid. Uh, you know, it was at Anfield that night that Liverpool came back against Barcelona. I have seen some weird voodoo watching Liverpool in the Champions League. But it is a case of watching Liverpool in the Champions League. You know, uh, it's not watching the Champions League as such. You know, I, I can't watch it as a panoramic competition. I find it I find it difficult to to absorb and to and to sink into Watching, watching football across the across the spectrum, I tend to I tend to look out for my my season. I tend to I, don't know, I tend to buy into one league or another or, or whatever it is. At the minute, it's, it's Serie A because you know Juventus were knocked off the top last season, ended that domination, and, and Napoli have started brilliantly. And, and a sluggish start for for Juventus has made a proper competition at least at this point in time. I mean, Juventus could still end up being fifteen points clear by April. But at the minute, it feels like a competition, so I'm I'm fully in for this, you know, mm. and, I, and I'm watching the games. I'll, I'll um, give you know. that a go as well. Uh, the final of the UEFA Champions League will be played in Saint Petersburg. Come in, Vladimir. Your time is now.